1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning, Lord. We come to you as little children, And you are a Father, and so we confess that this morning and ask you to teach us now in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we're gonna be looking at these two verses, uh, verses 22 and 23, Matthew 17, 22 through 23. So, and here they are. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him? and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceedingly, or exceeding sorry. Okay, now, it's the Lord has come back, as we've had a lot of travels, as we know, throughout Galilee area, and he's finally back in Galilee. It's like Galilee, a home sweet home. Galilee is where the disciples were from. Galilee is a place of the home of friends and family. They've been away. Galilee is a place where... They knew well Galilee is a place where the, the disciples could say, like, Anatefka, it's intimate, it's obstinate, Galilee, where I know everyone I meet, he says. <laughs> so he's visited and he's preached in different places. He's been in Capernaum, he's been in Caesarea Philippi, he's been in some very strange places. They've been in some very strange places of the Gentiles like Gadara." where there were all these many demons and they were so strong. And now they're finally have come back home and it just seemed as though arriving back in Galilee, the tension is gone, they could relax. They could take a little time and and, 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 and be like that scene of Philip under the fig tree, just relaxing there and worshiping God, having a great time, it'd be so nice. And just at the point where they thought it was going to be now a very clear, very calm, stressless time. Jesus brings up the most disturbing subject about how he's going to be killed by men. And this just ruins everything for them. It's a very, very sad time. And when you look at that scene of how that transpired there, isn't that the way it is in our lives? Just when we think, that the battles are over, that the storms are past, the tension's gone, the stress is uh, it, it, it's not coming back. Just at that point, here comes another wave. Here comes another disturbance, another brand-new trouble. We didn't see it coming. Uh, again, the, the, the cord of our emotions is stretched tight and strained, and we're under stress again. Why? I mean, why can't we just have a clear sailing in life? Why does it always have to be like this? Why does there always have to be this constant pattern of calm and storm and calm and storm? And, and just imagine, you know, just just picture in your mind, just a some ground, some ground that's hard packed ground is just lying there. It's minding its own business, a few rocks in it, you know, a few thorn bushes, but the ground has been that way for a long time. The ground's very happy. The ground's content just to be that way. And here comes the farmer. And the farmer says, the ground is not producing anything for me. I need to break up this ground so it can receive seed. I need to take out the rocks. I need to so the seed can sink down and, and, and its roots can be deep. I need to remove those thorn bushes so that they're not going to choke out the seed. So the farmer, he starts to break up the ground. He starts to dig deep. He starts to remove the rocks. He starts to take out the bushes. And when the farmer does that, the, the, the ground protests and says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're breaking me up at hurts. taking out the rocks, the thorns. That's disruptive in my life. I know that I, wa- I wasn't the best producing soil. Okay, I wasn't producing anything. For you, but but I was comfortable, and 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 and, I, and I'd been this way for years, and now you come along and you disturb everything, and you introduce a lot of tension, you introduce a lot of stress just because you own the land. How dare you come and turn it over like that? But the farmer knows what the ground doesn't know, and that is that after all the pain's done, and after all this ground has been tilled, and the rocks have been removed, and the thorn bushes have been taken out the ground's going to produce, and it's going to be fruitful. And in the end, the ground is going to say, I never knew how purposeless my life was when I had no purpose, other than just to exist and get by. I never knew what being fruitful was until I became fruitful. I never knew what happiness from fulfillment was until I became happy from being satisfied from pleasing the owner of the ground. But over time, what happens? The soil becomes hard packed again, new thorn seeds blow in on the ground, thorns somehow, I mean, the thorns come up and the ground says, and, and the farmer comes back in the ground says, Not again. I already went through this already. And the point is, is it, it, we're the soil. We're the soil we're like the ground we don't understand why we have to be broken up again why it has to be this regular breaking up so that we become fruitful we must but 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 if we're gonna let God be the gardener then we've got to submit to his hand and he comes along and he works as it says and as he said in, in, in Jeremiah 4:3 Jeremiah 4 3 thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem break up your fallow ground, and so not among thorns. And the, and so it's through these troubles in our lives that we, we we get, it's like the old saying goes, no pain, no gain, it's the true of us. Like it says in 1 Peter 4, 1, 1 Peter 4, 1, for as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves, which means prepare yourselves likewise with the same mind for thee that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You know that verse is really saying, "Get yourself ready. Prepare yourself." And, You know it, it, that's a constant theme in the Bible. Prepare yourself. Examine yourself. Look at yourself. You know it, 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 it reminds me of a of a of a of a of, a, of a, a fella that went off to college from rich family, went off to college and. And uh, and you know and 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 he was more interested in party and girls and drinking and so forth. And so he flunked his exams. He flunked his exams. So he said this is in the old days. So he sent a telegram back to uh, his brother back home and says just simply said uh, flunked exams. Prepare, father. said. <laughs> and so the 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 telegram came back to him and says. Father prepared, prepare yourself. (laughs) This is what this this verse is saying. Prepare yourself, arm yourself with the same mind to suffer. Sin is our plague. Sin is our plague. Sin sin makes us feel guilty. It makes us feel ashamed. It makes us feel horrible. It haunts us. What can wash away our, our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But it's not a pleasant thing to constantly go through that sin and the feeling of it, and then to be washed in the blood of Jesus. So what can make us stop sinning? Suffering. Suffering. Prepare yourselves. James 1, 2. James 1, 2 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. A life with Christ requires Patience. I don't know about you, but I don't star in the subject of patience. I, I'm, uh, just last week, uh, this, some fella was going off to buy something, and, with, and I was standing with the electrician, and, and I was like, you know, do you think he's gotten there yet to the supply house? Should we call him? And <laughs> When's he going to come back? And he, 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 he just smiled at me, and he said, patience. And I realized, I don't have patience. Patience is the resistance against the pull in our lives that says, I want it now. And patience is the resistance that I need, that we need. And what gives us patience? Trials, according to James 1 and 2. Trials gives us that patience. Philippians 1.29 says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer... For his sake, you know, our faith, we like to say, you know, we're strong in faith. Well, faith is kind of like wet clay. Faith is like wet clay. It's it, it, it formed at first, but then it's very vulnerable to lose its shape, very vulnerable. So what makes the clay solid? What, what firms it up? The kiln, the kiln of the heat of suffering. And it, that's why it's given to us to suffer for Christ, or suffer with Christ as well. Paul said something just amazing. He said in, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, 2 Corinthians twelve nine. 9, he, he talks about what God told him, what God revealed to him. He said, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for the, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most, and then Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in affirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. How can a person say this? How can a person say that he takes pleasure in being infirmed, infirmity, that he takes pleasure when someone reproaches him? He takes pleasure when he has needs. He takes pleasure when he's persecuted. He takes pleasure in distress, in tension. How can he say that? Because he learned the secret because of what Christ told him. And he learned that when he's weak, then he's strong, then he's strong. This is totally not logical that we're made strong when we're weak because God withholds his strength. He keeps it back. When we say, I'm strong, I'm able, I'm ready, then God says, well, that's fine. You go ahead on your own. I'm not giving you my strength. But when we say, we're weak and we need your strength, then the, discover, the soul discovers, I'm glad when I'm weak because when I, then I get to have God's strength. That opens up God's strength. It's like we hold our hand. We hold our hand on God's valve of strength. It's our hand that's on God's valve of strength. When we say we're strong, we close off the valve. When we say we're weak, we open up the valve. And that's what God said his invitation was, take my strength in Isaiah 27.5. Isaiah 27.5, or let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. It's like God is holding out his strong arm and he's saying, just take my hand. That's all you got to do. Just take my hand. All you got to do is take my hand. My strength's going to carry you through. And that knowledge is what we need in life to seek to stop us, to stop us in our tracks from saying, My life has got to be an easy life of comfort. That's what I want. Comfort now. And knowledge that 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 we've got to resist the the I want it now we got to resist that, and this is what it's all about. Just like the hymn says, lest I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas. So so going back to the disciples. Disciples now, they hear this, that he's going to be killed, that he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be killed, and they're disturbed again, because this had already happened in the previous chapter, in the previous chapter, in, in, uh, in Matthew 16, verse 21, 16, 21, when, it, when we read, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. And you remember that during that time that Peter stepped in and said, oh no, don't wash your mouth out with soap. Don't even say those words that are so terrible. And the Lord had to turn to him and said, you've got Satan and you get behind me, Satan. And so they had heard him say this before and they weren't gonna go down that road by, by, by trying to stop him, but they had hoped that maybe it was just a bad dream and it was passing away. And it, but here he, here he goes again. And so this is all looking at this from the point of view of the disciples. This is the disciples, how they're feeling. Oh no, not again. And but... Now, we can also look at this, what, what's going on and, and, and how they're very sorry to hear this from the Lord's point of view. How about him? We've looked at it from how the disciples have looked at what he said. How about him now looking at the disciples? I mean, he told them that he's going to be betrayed, that he's going to be tortured, he's going to be killed, he's going to be buried. And we can see him now as he's telling this, looking at each one of the disciples, looking that over him, saying to the and seeing their reaction, and he's saying to himself, it's for these people I'm going to endure all this? Am I really sure that I want to do this, that I really want to die for them? I mean, just look at them. They're so weak internally. They're not appreciative. They're sad. They're so sinful. They're so unstable. Am I really sure I want to die for them? Are they really worth it? Because see the Lord doing that. I mean, this was the time for him to reevaluate his purpose to die for their sins and really come to a fork in the road and say, Do I want to get off this road? And we can imagine the Lord as he's telling them of his ultimate purpose, the reason he's left heaven and his glory he's to become a man and humble himself, become a servant, and 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 he's gonna be a sacrifice for them. And 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 he sees their this total rejection. By them, of the very thought of it, he sees their depression, he sees their sorrow, and we can see him look, looking at them and, and asking the question. And then we can also see seeing him saying, "Yes, I do. Yes, I do want to die for them." He had been with them such a long time. He'd spent a long time with them, I and mean, he he had he had he came to the conclusion that Paul said about himself in Romans seven eighteen Romans seven eighteen For Paul says, "For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing; for to will is present with me, but how to perform it I good. I find not." So during this time they were together. There were times when when he looked at them and he he just got just beside himself. He just got so, so frustrated just with man that he came to save. He came to save the world, and he expresses his frustration. As he did several times in the Old Testament, as Jehovah Jesus, and in the New Testament, with two words, "How long? How long?" He says in Matthew seventeen, seventeen, the couple of verses up, verse seventeen, verse seventeen. Then Jesus answered and said, "Oh, faithless and perverse generation! How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me." He knew what was in man. He knew what was in man. He. He he knew what man was when he was Jehovah Jesus and he he had brought his people out of Egypt and and, and, and going to save them from utter destruction, going to bring them into the most beautiful land of milk and honey, do everything for them, provide for them constantly, 40 years, shoes don't wear out, everything provided and they turn against him and he says to Moses in numbers 14:27 numbers 14:27 how long shall i bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me i have heard the murmurings of the children of israel which they murmur against me numbers 14:11 numbers 14:11 the lord said unto moses how long will this people provoke me and how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which i have showed among them and he's frustrated when he says that. And he's frustrated. And, 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 and even though he's frustrated, he decides to go forward. He, paddles, he battles through his frustration and die for them. And that's the power of Romans, the verse in Romans 5 8. Romans 5 8. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, while we were yet provoking him. Christ died for us. While we were yet frustrating him, Christ died for us. And so when the Lord describes with such clarity how he's gonna be betrayed into the hands of men, we see the Lord Jesus looking at with perfect vision, not only what's gonna happen to him, but at his disciples he's willing to die for and, and at the details of how he's gonna die. And what's amazing to us, and like we said, is that, is that seeing both his death, which he really suffered through at the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweat the drops of blood, and he said, if there's any other way, please. He sees the details of his death. He sees the, he sees the, the, the really discouragement from his disciples, and he doesn't turn away. That's amazing. Doesn't turn away from his mission. He doesn't say, it's too much. It's too much to give to gain so little. I get so little. It's not worth it. He doesn't say they are just not worth it. That becomes for us the point of worship. We worship him because of that. Now, one thing that's interesting about how he describes his death is that you would have expected, as he's describing his death in verse, what's going to happen to him in verse 22, you would have expected that he would have said something like, I... I will be betrayed into the hands of men. But he doesn't do that. He switches to the third person. And it's almost like he's talking about an abstract person that's not himself when he says, you know, the son of man is going to be uh, betrayed. And when he does this, it's it's so interesting because when he does this, he's becoming extremely objective it's almost like he's divorcing himself from his own emotions and feelings here. He's almost like he's stepping out of himself and looking at this from a very objective point of view. In other words, it's like he's saying, there will be a man, he will be fully man, and he will die for a man. Oh, I just happen to be that man. But I'm not talking about me right now. Oh, well, he actually is. Well, he's not saying he's not talking about it. But he's, he's talking about this from a very objective point of view when he calls himself the son of man. He's saying man, fully man, must die for man if man's sins are gonna be paid for. And so he calls himself the son of man, and he's saying he's man, he's saying he's 100% man. He's nothing short of being a man as he is God also. God became a man. If a man is necessary to pay for the sins of man, then a man I will become as the son of man. He, uh, Genesis 9, 6, Genesis 9, 6 says, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed for the image of God. In other words, life for a man, a man's life dies for a man. A man, a man. If a man kills a man, a man must die for the life of that man. So he said, uh, it becomes a man. And he loved to call himself this. He loved to call himself the son of man. That term son of man is only used once in the Old Testament is. In Daniel, all the other times where it's translated Son of Man, it doesn't say Son of Man, it's the Son of Adam. But only once in Daniel is it used in Son of Man when it's referring to Christ.
1: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.
0: every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on youtube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.